keywords or secret words. Huh? We don't even have like keywords around the kids. We just say, "Did you wash?" She said, like, "Yeah, I washed." And I said, "Oh, that means y'all gonna do that's something?" That's action. Yeah. Isn't that smooth? Instead of trying to run around the bush and what you doing? Hey, you look good now. You wash? Okay, I'm gonna go wash. You don't like that? I mean, I think because I'm 43, it's obvious what you guys are talking about. Maybe it's not clear to your three-year-old or two-year-old. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And maybe it, Chaz doesn't get it. Isn't that clever? I'm sure Chan gets it. Nah, he doesn't. Our kids are naive. He's 11, but he's naive. Oh, there he is. All right, is. here we go. Good, good hey, gracious. I told you that joke was big. Hey, good, man. You Hey, Chan, y'all built just alike. We all built looking in the mirror. Y'all built just alike. What's up, Brad? What's up, man? Oh, good. Nice, dude. Don't get appreciate intimidated, man. I'm trying not to. Okay. All right, here we go. It's all going downhill now. Big seat. Hey, everybody. You left the Terramana home, man? I thought we were going to have a birthday it's here. Happy it's here. Belated. It's here. Thank yeah. you very much. Happy belated. Yeah, thank you. So I heard you sure. had a special message in your gym uh, with the term of endearment that your, the members of your staff like to call you. What was it again? I believe it was fuckface. Yes. Yes. <laughs> a strong, resounding, happy birthday fuckface <laughs> was waiting for me in the gym. But here's what's cool. First of all, it was a great surprise. I walk in and I look and I'm like, oh, look at this. And I realized I got about five people in my life who would do that. So there's five people in my life right now who would call me fuckface. <laughs> and I was like, mom, I can't believe. No, I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, that was fun though. It was cool. It was cool. Hold up. Limitless. Take a stomach cap, pin in it. I father here to witness it. Know my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. On the mission, got me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Think it's stomach cap, pin in it. I father here to witness it. Know my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. On the mission, got me up. Knowing me, I got the key. Man, well, welcome to the pivot. Thank uh, you, man. Chan, Freddie T. I'm RC. This is truly for us uh, an honor. Just having an opportunity to follow who you are as a man and who you've become as an entertainer, but the father and all of the things that you've done that I don't think people get an opportunity to praise you for or hear from you about. So just thank you for continuing to show us daily that what you achieve doesn't have to change what your foundational premises and basis of life are. Man, well, thank you for that, RC. I appreciate it. Good to see you, Fred. Good to see you, Channing. And, you know, I've been following you guys for a long time. You guys do a great job. Appreciate I love the setup. I love the show. I love how you guys interact not only with each other, but also with the guest and what drew me probably almost two years ago. And I think I reached out to you. It might have been Fred where I hit him up on the side and like, man, you guys are doing a great job. I might have I started following you guys. Probably leaving comments, I think, too, as well. But you guys do such a great job of, uh, first of all, making all the guests feel comfortable out of the gate because you've all been there. You know what the grind is like, what the hard work is like, what the ups of success in the game of football that we all love, what that brings. But you also know the pain of what happens as it starts to go down or failures start to come your way, again, in a game that we all love. Because... I always feel like the game of football that we love, the hard work, the discipline and things like that, it transcends just the game. It's the stuff that's applicable to life. Mm -hmm. So everybody you guys bring on, from Shaq to Kevin, yeah. everybody, I always loved all these. And, and again, you make everybody feel comfortable because you've been there. Right. Yeah, and then you guys know this, right? Being in the public eye, it's a lot of times you could sit down with the media and wondering where they're going, what kind of agenda they have. You're still trying to be a professional and you know give a great interview, but it's different than this. Appreciate that, man. Well, this show is presented by Old Spice, and they did it especially for you because the whole time coming up here, we were talking about self-confidence, and he was saying yeah. he's excited that there's finally another 10 on the set with him. He said, so far, the Come on. He said the only the only people that he felt a kinship with we aesthetically. We walked in somewhere together. You and A-Rod might compete with me. Mm. Mm. In what way compete? Like if the, the women have to choose. Yes. 
I'm it's gonna one, be a, it's, it's hard. One B. It's, it's a gonna hard be choice. tough. <laughs> it's, it's a hard choice. Well, Chan, I must admit though, bro, you have gone up five notches to me now that you got the new teeth. Self-confidence, and as Old Spice says, smell confidence sky high. But since they sent us something with a little 24-hour moisture for you, I think you need to take care of these knuckles before we finish our conversation with The Rock. There you go, man. Get yourself together. They put my sweat in this. <laughs> That's it's called sweat. sweat. <laughs> <laughs> this is my sweat. He's not short on confidence at all. <laughs> I know. But, you know, in talking about the things that we do get to see from you, especially just an overwhelming just bit of positivity every day, and the things that you try to do, whether it's mental health and continuing to give people the motivation to be their, their best selves, and even watching The Young Rock, which is, what you said, a love letter to wrestling. You yeah. can see some of the ways you moved around, you know, your father being kicked out when he was 13, you living in mm -hmm. different states by the time you were 13. I think it was what, like Hawaii, Nashville, Pennsylvania, yeah. all in one year. When you have that sort of upbringing, and you as a family and a young man as yourself go through those sorts of adversities, how did you, did you use those things to shape who you are now as a man? Well, I try to these days keep those times in the forefront of my mind. I try to keep them close. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've all been there. So we've, we've all had our seven bucks moment. And when I was playing up in Calgary for the CFL, I was cut in October, sent home. And at that time, you know, I'd left University of Miami. The guys who I was playing with at that time, Ray Lewis, Warren Sapp, they were lighting the world on fire. Their dreams were coming true. They were buying their mom's houses. And when I got cut from Canada that season, it was that was when I had seven bucks in my pocket. So we've all had those moments in seven bucks, with seven bucks, having seven bucks. But what I found, and as I got a little luckier down the road of life and was able to achieve a thing or two, um, I started to apply gratitude and I was always trying to apply gratitude anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always been that way. I think at my core, just trying to find the good in something because it's easy to get lost in the sludge of things, especially when things are down. Um, so what I tried to do is try to keep all those times, the hard times, and keep them in the forefront of my mind. And then I also tried to realize, but this didn't happen right away because I'd gone through two, three bouts of depression over the course of years and during that time. Like the football one for me was a big one. You know, you three, you guys lived my dream of making it to the league, playing professional football uh, and, and achieving that pinnacle. So the biggest thing for me was trying to understand the reason why and if it weren't this dream that I was so focused on and so determined to make and work my ass off, you know how it is, like in high school, then you go to college, um, and you're working hard and all your boys around you, some of them are going to the league every year. And it's like, all right, my time is coming. My time is coming. And it doesn't happen. And the tidal wave of disappointment out of that, that was a rough one for me. It wound up being, I always say me playing in the NFL wound up being the best thing that never happened to me mm -hmm. because it really helped shape and inform who I am, as you were saying. So, um, so, you know, I could sit here today and tell you that how grateful I am that I didn't make it. Um, and I could also tell you, and I'll share this with you as my boys, is that every draft, every year, I'll watch that draft because I remember it like it was yesterday, as you guys did, right? Where we're just sitting in the house waiting for the phone to ring. My phone didn't ring on that first day. On the second day, it rang. And I was like, this is it. Mm -hmm. I picked up that phone and I said, hello. And I hear um, Tuifei, and Tuifei is my Samoan name for my grandmother who passed away. I was like, oh, Grandma? She's like, you get draft yet to the NFL? No, Grandma, no. <laughs> Goodbye, I love you, boom. So anyway, it's shaped me and helped me wow. to who I am. We have one other person here that has that similar story. Ryan was undrafted, but he's also the only one here that has a Super Bowl ring. So he's so that's his way of kind of throwing it back in our face. And you're you're larger than life, man. And you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of players, a lot of guys that that even though it was your dream to be in the NFL mm -hmm. and it didn't happen, but you've accomplished so much mm -hmm. greatness that I'm pretty sure at this point in these other guys' lives, they wouldn't mind that trade-off. Uh, but you mm -hmm. spoke about the uh the bouts of depression. Yeah. And I'm I'm big on mental health. I was once to a guy who suffered injuries in my career 
didn't feel like I was able to achieve my maximum potential. And I've been there. Now, I've I, I totally been there. Uh, just tons and tons of questions. Wanted to question the man upstairs, all that different stuff. My faith, like, where are you going to go? But your other bout was, I think you say you were 15, when your mother of the attempted suicide, your mother, due to you guys being evicted up in, in Nashville, um, those, those two different moments in terms of shaping your life, right? Uh, and when they look at us, they see the outside. Looking at you, yeah. it just seems like everything is just amazing. You're fine. The inside, how, how is everything now? And is being a, a, a girl dad, does that help you tap into your vulnerability to deal with your mental health? It, it, it does, yes. Um, well, thank you for asking that. And I really appreciate you being open. And, this, and again, one of the reasons why I love and respect this show is you guys do go to those places and you are vulnerable and you are open and it's important to be that way. Mm. So the first time depression hit me, I was at the University of Miami. I, I came in, I was balling out. I was gonna be the only freshman to play. And at that time we were national champions, defending national champions. I was playing behind Russell Maryland. I was number yeah. two. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this story. Um, my defensive line coach, Coach Bob Carmelowicz, I had two coaches, Bob Carmelowicz and Ed Ogeron. Mm. And from Louisiana. <laughs> yes, sir. That's you, right. Hey, yeah. By the way, you know Patrick Riley? Yes. Pat Riley went to my high school. Oh, you did, right? Yep. Morero, I Archbishop think. Archbishop Shaw. Yeah, yep. that was my boy. Wow. We yes, played sir. together. Wow. Um, so he told me, he goes, hey, listen, he brought me in his office. He goes, you're going to be the only freshman to play this year behind Russell, Maryland. I was like, wow. We had some ballers at that time on that team. That was a crazy team. And he goes, I'll tell you what's going to happen. I said, what's that, coach? He goes, you're going to be the only freshman to play this year. You're going to give me two more years, and then you're going to fuck me in a supplemental draft, is what he said. <laughs> he said it jokingly. He's like, but I know what's going to happen. Uh -huh. Man, now, I had played two years of organized football, and I'm down in Miami, best school in the country, national champions, and my coach is telling me that. So now, automatically, I'm thinking, this is it. This is my work. In two years, two and a half years, you start doing the math. I'm going to buy my parents their first house, blah, 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 blah. I get injured. I was in a middle drill with uh, Mario Cristobal, who's now the head coach down in Miami, down into the ground. My whole shoulder came out, and I had to have a complete reconstruction done. But that sent me in a tailspin, and that hit me. And so my first bout of depression was down there in Miami. You didn't want to go to school. I was ready to leave. I left school. I didn't take any uh, midterms, and I just left. But the interesting thing at that time is I just didn't know what it was. I didn't know what mental health was. I didn't know what depression was. I just knew I didn't want to be there. Wasn't going to any of the team meetings. Wasn't uh, you know participating in anything. I wasn't working out. And you know, for us, just as athletes, just any kind of sweat and getting it in yeah. will help get that shit out of you. Right. I couldn't do it because of my shoulder. So at that time, that was a tough one for me. And again, I didn't know what it was. Years later, I went through it again when I got a divorce. Mm. Didn't know what it was. Yeah. Years later, around 2017 or so, went through a little bit. Really? But knew what it was at that time. And luckily at that time, I had some friends who I could lean on. Say, hey, you know, I'm feeling a little wobbly now. I got a little struggle happening. I'm seeing a little gray and not the blue. Mm -hmm. um, but to bring it all back around to your great question is, yes, the saving grace for me has really been my daughters, the three of them, and being a girl dad. Right. That's been a saving grace because you look at them and you realize, well, I mean, really, this is what it's all about. And you look at the alternative, too. Well, how how am I going to respond in this moment? Like, what's the best way that I could respond in this moment that's going to show them not now they're too young, but down the line, how I can help them. And this is how I responded to this moment. And hopefully this will help you guys, too, as well. So they've been the saving grace. Do you get you guys feel like that? Right. With your kids yeah. as well. Yes. Yeah, my daughter, my I was running fast, running oh, through yeah, Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my yeah. daughter slowed me down at yeah. 21. Uh, yeah. She made me a man quick. And, quick. and DJ, I don't call it. Your team calls you. That's why I picked it up. <laughs> 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 you brought up friends, and you talking about your physical physique, and you are a damn door. But as your friend, bro, you got a decision to make coming up here soon. Tell me. 
You can't keep that 50-year-old face on that 25-year-old body. <laughs> <laughs> you either got to upgrade the face or you got to show. I'm just, as your boy, man, it's just you upgrade, you upgrade the like face. Huh? What do you mean upgrade the I face? Don't, I don't know what they do. Pull the shit back, <laughs> flip the shit down. I don't know what they do to it. <laughs> but no, man, at, but at your age, honestly, 51 years old, how in the hell do you keep a 25-year-old body? <laughs> I'd love to train. I've always been a weight room guy. I've loved that. But also, it training for me, it really, truly is my anchor. I love to get up early in the morning, hopefully before the girls wake up, before the babies get up, before the sun comes up. And it helps me level out my day. I think about my day. And then I go train, get that sweat in. No, I train alone. You know, you listen to what you want to listen to as loud as you want to listen to it. Mm -hmm. uh, I could challenge myself because, you know, it's that old adage that we all know. It's you versus you. And so training for me is my anchor and I love training. And also it's just become my way of challenging myself every day. But also I'll take you back. My old man, we had, my dad was my hero growing up. And then as I got a little older and, and I became a teenager, we started to have a real complicated relationship because mm. you start to feel yourself as a man mm -hmm. and he feels himself as a man and there's a lot of testosterone and, he grew up one way. He would, like you said, Ryan, he was kicked out at 13. Quick story, it was Christmas. Uh, my dad's dad had died, I think, a year earlier, and there was a new boyfriend in the mix. He came over, and they had their turkey, and he peed on the turkey. The boyfriend did. He got drunk and peed on the turkey. What? Wow. My dad was 13. They got in a fight. My dad took a toy gun and he drew a line in the dirt and said, if you cross that, I'm gonna take the shovel and I'm gonna kill you. And he was drunk, he crossed the line. My dad, at 13, grabbed the shovel, laid him out cold as a block of ice. Cops came. As he was out, the cops looked at my grandmother and said, when he gets up, one of two things are gonna happen. Either he's gonna kill him or he's gonna kill him. One of them got to go. And my grandmother looked at my dad and said, you're out at 13. So he's on his own. So his capacity for love was what it was, very limited. So my point is, is that was my dad as I started coming into my own as a teenager, that capacity of love, that limited capacity. And so we were like this for a very long time. But the thing that always kept us together was him saying, come to the gym with me. Got it. Come to the gym with me. Now, even this was at five, six, seven, eight, nine years old. And he's like, you can't work out. Sit your ass in the corner and just watch. But come to the gym with me. And so the gym was introduced in my life when I was a kid, a boy. And it always meant something to me. So It's, it's more inside of you than just getting big. Like yeah. being in the gym means something more to you. Yeah, exactly. And it's my anchor. Like I feel like I, I need that in my life. Because my life is so crazy. As you guys know, life is loud and crazy. There's all this shit going on that we got to, you know, you're getting pulled in a million different directions. We all wear a lot of hats. Mm -hmm. But for me, as wild as my life is, as all our lives are loud and crazy, uh, getting away for that hour and a half, two hours where I can unplug and no one else is around and I don't have to hear from anyone. I don't have to answer my phone. It's perfect. I mean, you're third generation wrestler. Yeah. Right? High chief wrestled, uh, mm -hmm. your father wrestled. You got an opportunity to induct both of them into the WWE Hall of Fame, yeah. uh, which you'll be in one day whenever you decide to officially say, it's time for me to go in. Mm -hmm. uh, your daughter uh, now fighting, uh, wrestling under the name Ava Rain yeah. as well. You are cut from Calgary. You have the, the doubts, you have the, the questions, and you get into wrestling, which was, I mean, now we can call it the family business. Mm -hmm. How influential was that in helping you find your way and in a, in a way sort of saving your life? RC, I loved wrestling. And when I was growing up, I loved wrestling too, but wrestling, it was the family business. It's what we loved, but it was a different time back then, especially in the eighties, as you're growing up, it was almost like the, the movie, The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. Mm -hmm. Like that's the way those guys were. That's the way so many guys, like my dad, and had it not been for the blessing of God that I was able to have to take care of them, he would have been like that too, where they lived paycheck to paycheck. They were stars in their own right. So I, there's this term in the wrestling business called working the gimmick. And what that means is it, growing up, 
And wrestling wasn't as global as it is today. The guys make millions of dollars, the guys and the girls, and it's great. It's a great business to be in. It's hard, but it's great. Well, back then, wrestling was the guys all had to have a Cadillac or a Lincoln. You had to have the gold, the diamonds. And then afterwards, after the match, you'd go back home to either the trailer park or your apartment. So we were always working the gimmick. So as I was growing up, I, I loved wrestling, but I wanted to make money. And I wanted to make a lot of money to take care of my family. Like I didn't want to, my, we never lived in a house. So my goal was I want to buy my parents their first house. How can I do it? I started playing football. That's my ticket. So wrestling was always there in my heart, but I never looked at it like, oh, I could take care of my family for it. Cause I, and also too, my dad would say, you don't want to get in this business. Look at me. I don't have anything. Yeah. So once I got cut from football, got sent back home to Tampa, moved back in with my parents, uh, had seven bucks in my pocket. There was something in my gut. And then there was a little voice that we always got to listen to. And if we're lucky enough, if we're smart enough to listen to it, it could usually lead you down mm -hmm. the right path to something good. So my gut was saying, business is calling, wrestling is calling. I shared with my dad and my mom, hey, this is, this is what I want to do. So here's what happened. I get a call from Wally Buono, who at that time was the head coach of the Calgary Stampeders, who has since gone on to become commissioner of the CFL and GM. He's, he's, he's an OG up there. He called to say, hey, even though we cut you, DJ, we'd like to bring you back next season. And I think they had just won the Great Cup, so they were on top. And I said, I really appreciate it. Now, my dad doesn't know who I'm talking to, but it's one of those old phones on the wall. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, thank you, coach. I appreciate it. I said, I got to be honest with you. <clears throat> I'm going to close this chapter in my life. I can't thank you enough for everything. You've been a wonderful mentor. I wish you the best of luck. Hang up the phone. My dad was like on his little rocker. And he's looking at me. He said, who is that? I said, well, that was Wally Buono, the coach from CFL. He goes, what do you say? Told him. He goes, and you said? I said, I'm not doing it. He goes, he just offered you a chance, a job to make money at something that you love and you're not going to do it? I said, I'm not going to do it. He goes, well, what are you going to do? By this time, my mom's walking in. She starts to feel the tension, <laughs> right? She walks in and I was the only child. So it's just the three of us in this house in this little apartment in Tampa. She walks in. My dad said, what are you going to do? I said, this is it. I said, I'm going to get in the business. He said, what business? I said, the family business the wrestling business. We got into the biggest fight. He hated the idea. And ultimately he, he came back around and said, you don't have anything. Don't, what do you think you have to offer the business? I mean, it got heated and we fought. Eventually we got out of that argument. I convinced him. I said, listen, I need you to train me. Um, and if it's not you, I'm going to go to somebody else, but I would love for you to train me. So we got into this huge fight, tears, all that thing, all that stuff. And finally he trained me. From the, the very first day of training, what's called a lockup. We lock up. I was in love. That was it. So in a way, wrestling did save my life. And in, and in a way, thank you, God and universe. Um, if you look back now, in a way, it helped shape and form and save my grandfather's life. Coming out of Samoa. Mm -hmm. My dad's life being a kicked out at 13. And then my life, having seven bucks in my pocket, we didn't have anything at that time. And now, years later, I have the privilege and honor of watching my daughter, Simone, and... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I had her when I was young, in my 20s. And, you know, as dudes, we're still trying to find ourselves in our 20s, in our 30s, if we're lucky we reach our fourth level and, and we find ourselves a little bit, we get a little bit more wiser. 
So when I had Simone, I was flying by the seat of my pants. I was wrestling full time. I started transitioning into movies full time. I had so much shit going on. So I like to say me and Simone grew up together. Mm -hmm. So we had a relationship where I was always gone, but we tried to keep it together. Now, years later, as she becomes a pro wrestler, it's actually brought us closer together. So in a way, it's helped save that relationship too. So in many ways, pro wrestling has been my family's savior. And speaking of your father, he's a black Nova Scotian, mm -hmm. correct? And you identify as black. I used to talk about it all the time. And I used to, Joe Jr. say, oh, God rest his soul, was yeah. a teammate of mine. Yeah, yeah, down in Miami. Yeah, down in Miami. And we used to mess around. It's probably not appropriate, but Junior was never appropriate. So I would always be like, bro, <laughs> buddy. Are, are you on? Yeah, buddy, yeah. buddy. I'd be like, are you on Are you on our side? You a black dude? Or what, what are you? And it was actually very smart. His response, he'd say, that's, that's what y'all do on the mainland. He's like, we're coconuts. Over there, we're all coconuts. Y'all want to put titles on people here. Yeah. I'm a coconut. In his way, I, was, yes. I got what he was saying. All the same. But yeah. I, if, if, I, if I didn't know, I wouldn't think you were black. Mm -hmm. Just looking at you, you're a Polynesian, I would say. Yeah. Did you ever get discriminated against with just growing up? Or is there any discrimination there? Because you are a black man, but I'm going to say you could wiggle out of it if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> You got some wiggle room. <laughs> I love you, dude. <laughs> Who would you guys have on the show when it was like, <clears throat> it might have been a running back or somebody just had just, just enormous legs, quads. Was it Saquon? Saquon. Yes. <laughs> you got some leg on you. Like, kept going up, man. That shit was so funny. You, told, you also told Mike Tyson, you can see his little man. That was, that was the most Where, uncomfortable. In the moment? Yeah. Mike had on little shorts <laughs> with no drawers. <laughs> and the man got something. I can see it. I'm like, Mike, put that shit away. <laughs> Nobody wants to deal with that shit right now. What'd he say? <laughs> <laughs> Kicked his leg out. Oh, yeah, yeah. All of them. <laughs> All right. Um, yes. So discrimination, yes, growing up. So I did a lot of my growing up was in the South, Texas and Georgia and Tennessee and North Carolina and down in Florida. Um, at that time, and I was a 70s baby, I was born in the 70s and then, you know, got a lot of my growing up in, in the 80s. But yeah, so th in those areas in the world of wrestling, again, it was different back then. So you're wrestling in these small towns and I'm going to school in these small towns, living in trailer parks, in the deep south and kids are looking at me like well, what are you are you are you mexican black something well, you look different you got an afro um they see my parents so yeah that happened yeah mm -hmm. for sure troy palomalo is one of my best friends yeah and i know i know you probably were on it the playboy all-american team yeah right and how they would go take pictures where brady james went to lsu he ended up being a Dallas Cowboy. And Troy used to always tell me the story. He's like, man, the first person I met from LSU was Brady James. And he asked me, what is you? <laughs> right? Because just because when you do grow up in Louisiana or you grow up down south, there aren't a lot of Polynesians. Like they, they you just see white aren't. and black. You see white and you see black. And yeah. so I know a lot of times it wasn't so much even the discrimination, but actually the, the curiosity yeah. that leads to some unawareness of who people are and what people are. And I, I could just imagine you yourself, how you say people could see your parents, yeah. right? You're in the down, down south, in the trailer park, you got an Afro, you know, and just trying to understand how to even deal, how to get into those conversations. And so it's about finding out who you are and how other people relate to you as well. When I got down to Miami, um, and probably to your point is a lot of our players, they all either came out of Texas, they came out of the south, um, and there was a great curiosity then too, like, hey, what are you? And they didn't like, are you black or white? I said, well, I'm half black and half Samoan. And a few times it was, well, you, it, are you black or are you white? <laughs> well, no, I hear you, what you're saying. Yeah. Let me, I'm gonna be clear. I am this and I am that. <laughs> no, 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 no. You either gotta be, you know, so it was really interesting considering where everybody came from yeah. uh, would always inform how they interpreted, you know? Like how I look, so it was interesting. I was curious uh, when you were talking about the family business, wrestling. Mm -hmm. You talked about getting in there and you wanted to go and make some money. Your first paycheck versus Simone's first paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> who, who made the most money? 
I would say her. My first paycheck, well, in wrestling, my first paycheck was 40 bucks. Hold and on. that's what our guarantee. Wait, 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 wait. $40? <laughs> to do what? Yeah, yeah, to wrestle. So this was before WWE. So as you're starting out, I, I of course, wasn't ready for WWE. And so I started, I made my bones down, uh, down in Tennessee. Yeah. There's a wrestling company down there. It was called the USWA, famous. Everybody came through there. Jerry the King Lawler, everybody yeah. who became somebody went through there. And that's where you, uh, you made your bones and you cut your teeth. The guarantee every night was 40 bucks. Wherever, doesn't matter where you're at on the card. That was your guarantee. And how did you make additional money? Oh, additional money, we, we, <laughs> the word gimmick again. You made additional money by when there was the um, intermission, we'd go to what's called the gimmick table. And so we would have, pick, we'd have our Polaroid. So if we were wrestling on the card and say we already wrestled for the night, you get your 40 bucks, that's guaranteed. Mm -hmm. We could stay till intermission. The four of us as wrestlers would go out to the gimmick table. We'd have our Polaroids and anyone who wanted to take a Polaroid with you, you'd sign it, five bucks. Take it, five bucks, sign it, 10 bucks. So that's how we made our additional money. So on a good night, I could make maybe 80 bucks. Well, you are way beyond making $40 a night <laughs> to be anywhere. You probably don't get to sleep in your bed for that amount of money, but you know, you, now in your acting career, we've seen you do everything, right? We've seen you be serious. We've seen you be a father. We've seen you obviously in, in action movies, but that was a lot like your wrestling career as well, right? You start as, I think it was Rocky Mavia and then, you yeah. know, Stone Cold Steve Austin is big time then. And then you turn to the rock and at some point you're like the face and then you're like the heel and you're in nation of domination and you got yeah. like mankind, it's big show, giant. like you go through all of these different phases of being who you are that makes you into this superstar. And then you get an opportunity to host Saturday Night Live, which kind of seemed like, oh my, go my goodness, this dude can do all of these other things. When you look at how your career started, all of the things that you had to go through and learn to get here, could you ever have imagined being where you are today? No, 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 never. My goal, my goal wasn't to be here in Hollywood, making movies, hopefully with a little bit of longevity. That was never my goal. And completely honest with you guys, complete transparency, my goal was just to not be broke. And I used to tell myself this all the time, excuse me for cussing, but in the spirit of just being completely open, I used to tell myself specifically, I cannot be fucking broke. Like that to me was, and I think because I was struggled a lot growing up and I saw how hard my dad was working his ass off. We traveled all around. We were able to pay rent, live a pretty good life. But I saw what the end of the road was and that was being evicted and not having any money and him and my mom like scrapping in Tampa. He opened up a cleaning company and they were just like cleaning houses, cleaning anything they could. And so for me, it was, I cannot be broke. I don't want that for them and I don't want that for my family. So, and I think also not being drafted, not being picked up, never getting that call from the league, put a chip on my shoulder, player 54. Like, mm -hmm. that's what it is. You guys know a lot of 54s, right? So I was that dude. So that the chip that that put on my shoulder and the drive and the I am going to scratch and claw and kick and bite and fight my way to have more than seven bucks. It was never, oh, I want to make millions. It was, I need more than seven bucks. So I think, in a way, um, the, the, the idea of being here. Um, it's a, it's a convergence of being, of being grateful where I'm at and being aware of my position in this business. Um, but also, as we talked about earlier, keeping all that stuff in the forefront of my mind and 
because to me, I'm a couple of days of being away from being broke. Like, it's that. Like, we're going to get kicked out. <laughs> you, you ain't a couple of days away from we're, being broke. Come on now, Rock. Not, but it's that. The drive. It's, it's that we, I've never arrived. Yeah. yeah. We've never arrived. Isn't you know? one of your motivational sayings, though, is like something like, hey, we're getting evicted around the corner or something like that? Eviction that you, is around the corner. Eviction is around, is around the corner. And is that one of the ways, how does that continue to keep in the forefront of your mind? Like you keep mentioning gratitude. As you continue to accomplish certain things, it's also important to remember what it could be like and what it was like. Brother, all the time. So there's the, uh, the gratitude, then there's grit, and then I think, well, what's the alternative? So, and the alternative is seven bucks. The alternative is struggle. The alternative is not having options, not having a choice. So I think about that all the time. And it continues to drive me. And by the way, when I say, I say that, I'll say that in our meetings, in a variety of the businesses, I'll say evictions around the corner. And I get a lot of, hmm. And then for people who really know me, who are comfortable go, hey, listen, we love you, <laughs> but it ain't around the corner. I say, I know, but we need to say it. <laughs> oh, oh, Rod, they can Google you. They can Google network. It's, a, it's an easy Google search. But speaking of that, taking the money out of it, yeah. what are you the best at? Because I'm better than you at football. Obviously, I went to the league. <laughs> you didn't go, I went, nah, nah. But, <laughs> hey, easy conclusion to draw. Yeah, it ain't hard. It is. Like, I made millions on football, sorry. Yeah, you but, <laughs> but, but you produce, you act. You, you've been called the best wrestler of all time. You made a lot of money acting, but you've never been called the best actor of all time. In your mind, like, what are you the best at? Horizontal hula. No, no. One more. Oh my God. Now he rock. You a monster? <laughs> Chad, don't start that. He brought it up. Bro, you can get I, down I, I, I like, he knew exactly what I was talking about. Everybody knew. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't. I do like that he's more comfortable with you than Kevin was. <laughs> yeah, Kevin didn't oh, like yeah. his conversation. No, <laughs> he don't like that. He, yeah. He don't like talking about that. No, no, no. I, I tried to joke with him about that. That's yeah. it. You got like an approach. You know what I'm saying? You got like a game plan going in because I know like my first position, second position, like it's a, <laughs> I have like, it's a movie script written now. Yeah, like, you got a, a beginning, a middle, yeah. and an end. And a climax. Yes, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> See, now we rolling. <laughs> if you get it, you get two. <laughs> Just get two. But the, hey, the, 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 sequels, kicker, the, sequels the sequels are important. <laughs> no, but you, you don't have to worry about the sequel if you pour up a nice little Terramana Reposado. Mm. And a Zoa pineapple passion. It all goes. The energy drink, like yes, you're gonna be revved up. You're gonna sweat a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that confidence and <laughs> that old. You're gonna sweat. I mix them. I mix them. But but so, but yes. yeah. But really, like I, I was in, I was interested in that because from your, everybody loves you at every at every level. Like you are a known wrestler. You're actor. The like what you do. But in your mind, I don't know if there was something that steps out where I excel at this. I think I'm pretty good at a lot of things. Uh, in terms of being the best at something, besides egotistically horizontal hula, um, I'm pretty good at what I love to do. And those things that I love to do, I'm passionate about. I like to say, whatever that thing is, I run towards it. If I, if I get up in the morning and I think about it, and I go, yes, I'm going to run towards that thing, then I, there's a shot that I could be pretty good at it. But in terms of the best and the best at this and the best of that, I just think that, you know, everybody's good yeah. uh, at, at football or this or wrestling and things like that. So, yeah, I would say I'm pretty good at the stuff I love. But the thing, <laughs> but DJ, the thing is this, though. Mm -hmm. You're saying everybody is pretty good. That's not the way it works, right? You, whether you are pretty good, whether you are lucky to reach the the magnitudes you've reached, whether it was wrestling, because it's a ton of people who have been great wrestlers who may have not been able to entertain right. the way you could, to, who, who couldn't get SmackDown to become a household word and people forget where it came from, mm -hmm. right? Like you were able to do all of these different things, move into, into acting, into being in action films, be able to jump and be a leading man. There are so many different things you could do. And so that comes with the level of hard work. And when you started talking about being the best, I'm a huge Kobe fan, Yeah. right? And I, and I just, I love the way that he approached, like you said, the thing he loved. 
That's right. Right. He was going to run to it. Uh, but he famously said he couldn't be a good friend. Right. Because they said he was so focused on being the greatest or being the best he could possibly be at what he loved that he didn't have time for those things. When we saw Kevin, we was like, hey, man, we're going to talk to we're going to talk to Dwayne. Like we're going to sit down with Dwayne. He's like, ask him this, but don't get him on this, because if you get him on that, then he's going to go corporate on you. And you don't want him to go corporate. <laughs> but but it made me think, though, immediately when we said your name. You could see him open up. You could see him. Yes. You could see him have the type of feeling of like, "That's my dude." Yes. For you, how hard is it to maintain relationships and friendships and those things, and also work to achieve everything that you're doing daily? That's a great question. So for years, I was the shits of a friend, and I didn't have a lot of friends. I had boys. That's my boy. It's my boy. And sure, I'll be there for you. Like I think you'll be there for me. But there was a real myopic focus and not in any way drawing a comparison to Kobe. I love Kobe <clears throat> and what he stood for in his work ethic. Um, and I love sometimes as hard as Kobe worked, as you guys know, I love that when you, when he spoke in this way that I always felt was so simplified yet powerful, he would say something to the effect of it's, you're a little better today than you were yesterday. You wake up tomorrow. Let's be better tomorrow than you were today. Don't think about this as a loss. You're going to learn, and I and and then the that that level of hunger was just always inspiring when it comes to Kobe because that is a guy who reached the top. But yet, I don't know if there's anyone who's reached that that kind of hunger. Do you know what I mean? So anyway, um, for many years, I was running my style, running my game, and I was like this. But years later, like with Kevin and like some of my other guys who I've actually become friends with and become close with, it's, you, you, you find that life is an endurance race. As we're younger, in our 20s, you're rolling hard. You think you got all the answers and everything is like this. And then you start to realize, well, life is an endurance race, it's an endurance test. And maybe we don't know everything we think we know. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you could be a little bit more open to the shit you don't know. Uh, so I started to apply that in my life, like, hey, it's okay not to know everything. You don't have to be micromanaging everything and everybody. I'll step back and bring in people who are much smarter than I am, much better at football. Bring, <laughs> bring, right, bring them in. But then also you start to gravitate towards these people like a Kevin who he, he's been through the grind. He understands what it's like to fail, to learn. And he's also ambitious and hungry. And then you also start to realize um, that, that having friends is so vitally important as you just get a little older because you lean on each other, you can open up. It's like, man, you gotta, if you having a wobbly day, call me, I'm there. Like that kind of stuff. It, it, I felt like in college and in twenties and when I was running in WWE, we were there for each other, but it's a different kind of, I think, love and security that you have as you get a little older, you know, and invite certain people in your life, especially in your circle who, uh, who, who share similar qualities, you know, who kind of been up and down like you as well. Is there any particular actors or performers that have influenced you the most or have taught you something during your uh, since you started? Yeah, I really, when I first got into the business, I always looked at Will Smith as the, and at that time, that was the early 2000s, where he was the biggest star in the world. And he was producing, he was singing, he was integrating his music into his movies. So... I always looked at Will at that time. It was like, Will at that time was the biggest star in the world. Johnny Depp, George Clooney, guys like that. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, I'd love to have Will's career. And I remember having a meeting because we were at the same agency at that time. And I brought in everybody who I could, who wanted to you know, participate in this meeting. And again, I was not at Will's level at that time. I was just starting out. Scorpion King, Tooth Fairy movies like that. The one you love. I love you, love. <laughs> the Tooth Fairy. Thank you, man. My favorite role. I appreciate it, yeah. really. You too damn mean in Black Adam. You got an attitude problem. You nasty to the baby. <laughs> I like 
like the tooth fairy. You, just, you like happy, DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. I like happy. Good, good stuff. Oh, I love that, man. Tooth fairy was a lot of fun, man. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. I got you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's a confident man that could say, I love the tooth fairy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now, he actually said this before you came, too. Yeah. So this is not a lot. They don't know that feeling. It's Confidence. We'll talk, yeah. We'll Swag, talk. yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but the thing is, we, we had the conversation before you got here, DJ. Mm -hmm. He got his teeth fixed, right? Oh, nice. Like, yeah, his, his wife. Amazing. His yeah. wife went out, worked on her own to pay for his new teeth with the, under the premise of his teeth were embarrassing the family. <laughs> right or wrong? I don't know if my wife said that exact <laughs> word. She said it. I don't know if she presented yeah, it that she way. Said it. She didn't present it that way? No, I think she said, hey, I want to do something nice for you. Right. And 20 rats. Not like you need it, however. No, yes, no, no. Yes. Cuz? Right. At I, the time, at the time, like let's say we were all going out, right? Yeah. And a girl was like, RC, who you bringing with you? I'd be like, well, I'm bringing Fred and, and DJ and Chan, you know? And you know, they'll ask you, they want to run, because they got girls, yeah. so they want to run down the list. Like, what about Fred? Oh, man, good looking guy, man. Real smooth, kind of laid back. If he's quiet around you, don't really trip, you know, but yo, your girls are going to like him. What about DJ? Oh, listen, this mother effort, like, stay in the gym. I mean, just ripped up, you know what I mean? Handsome guy, great smile. I was like, super entrepreneur, talented. What about Chan? He's funny as hell. <laughs> and like that's where that's where it would have been. Bad like bad red. He was he was legitimately a five and a half. <laughs> and that's if you add in, DJ, you gotta add in personality to that though before he got his teeth fixed. Yes. Oh. Since then, he's been unbearable, bro. <laughs> with like, the teeth. Oh, with, so the oh. teeth took it to oh, another level. He, he think he's a 10. He's a strong 7.5. With our mindset, we don't feel jealousy like they do. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's something in jealous people, but you recognize it. Yeah, you recognize it. It's yes. cute. You tickle their little chin and you let them go in back. <laughs> you know, but DJ, you know, it, confidence, you know, in speaking of that, starting the XFL, because I really wanted uh, to get here. And you keep saying, you know, player 54. Yeah. Uh, and having an opportunity to do that and give a lot of guys who have been in your position, right? Which is why the XFL was very vital to them to continue to be able to live out their dreams. What was it for you that made having that opportunity such a, such a one that you've seen to take with such an appreciation, a, a gratefulness, and it's almost uh, you giving back yeah. to those who have been in your shoes? That's just it. The XFL for us, for me, and I feel very confident I can speak for Danny, who is my longtime business partner, also co-owner of, uh, of the XFL. And she was down with me in Miami, too, as well. She was on the crew team down there. That's how we met. So she was living the football dream with me, coming to every game. Like, we were focused. Like, that, that was the goal, was to make it in the NFL. Um, so now, years later, life can come full circle. I got the call from her in 2000. She said, word on the street is the XFL is folding. She goes, I want to buy it, and I'd love for you to partner with me on this. Uh, it was the fastest yes I had ever said. Uh, and by the way, I remember I was ready to, I wanted to get in contact with you because I remember when we did buy it, you were a little like, nah, I don't know if that was a good decision, right? Yes, because yes. it's failed so many times. Yes. Like, what made you think you could do it? Absolutely. And I love that, by the way. And I, just, I didn't have a chance to get in contact with you then because I was that, that's when I was like, oh, I think that's when I started watching the show. Um, and rightfully so, and I understand that concern. It was an easy yes for me because it wasn't, man, this thing has failed twice already. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's got some stink on it. Maybe it's got some bad juju on it. Um, maybe spring football just doesn't work. But it was just the opportunity to create opportunities yeah. for dudes like me who just didn't get drafted. And... I felt like, and Danny felt like this too, if we can take our time, let's not try and put it on its feet too quick. Let's go to New York and sit with Roger Goodell, Troy Vincent, hat in hand, respectfully. Here's what we'd like to do. And we did that, by the way. So we flew up to New York after we made the acquisition, sat with Roger and Troy and, and some of their other um, executives and said, here's what we'd like to do. There is no competition with the NFL. Th th that's the gold standard. I said, but what we'd love to do is try and grow the game of football out of respect. Is there a way that we could find a partnership? 
And Roger looked right at me and said, yes. Looked right at all of us and said, yes. So that's the first step. And then the next part was, well, let's take our time. Let's do it right. Let's build the league. We're storytellers ultimately, and we love telling stories. It's what we do at Seven Bucks. So what? So the challenge is, no one knows these players. They're not big time stars like you guys. They weren't making millions of dollars like you guys. But they are living the dream, right? And you know, we've not. These are your boys too, right? Like we have all known these players. But they are living the dream. They're trying to work hard. They're trying to put food on their table, take care of their families. Can we make it interesting? Can we apply innovation? What does innovative ruling look like? What are our partnerships look like? So we took our time, and this is why in 2020 we purchased it, and now we just came out this season. So it just came down. It was the easiest yes, but also I wish I had the XFL coming out of Miami and you know that it didn't happen for me I had the CFL it was either and really as you guys know it's either the NFL CFL yeah but they're always going to take care of their Canadian players understandably so but it's really like the NFL or nothing yeah. and so that's really what it came down to so now as I could sit here with you guys now thank God we had a great season uh, ratings continue to climb it's it's building the league day by day you know by the time this comes out we'll probably have maybe 50, 60 guys who are already going to camps, which is really amazing. So I, I got to tell you guys, it's it, even though it didn't happen for me, um, life worked out in the way that it was meant to work out. And thankfully it did. Let me, let me speak to that really quick, yeah. DJ. Um, I, I got firsthand experience with it. Mm-hmm. You called it uh, a post you posted the other day. You called it the league of opportunity. Yeah. And so many rights, not just for the players, but for the coaches as well. Former teammates, Reggie Barlow, who was just awarded the coach of the year for the yes. SFL, you know, giving those guys an opportunity to live their dreams and coaching with the possibility of going yeah. to the, what you just called a gold standard, the NFL. And even my son, Kelvin, mm-hmm. uh, coming out, came out of Florida, drafted in 2016, sixth round by the Niners. Mm-hmm. A few years, COVID happened, out of football, but he was hungry. Dad, I got to get back. I got to get back. And uh, XFL came. Mm-hmm. I knew a few people and uh, made a few phone calls. They were like, we'll bring him into camp, give him a shot, mm-hmm. work him out. He made the Orlando team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Buckley up there. T-Buck. Orlando T-Buck. Yeah. Um, but even other former players, Hines, uh, Wood, Coach Woodson, Wood, you know, yeah. uh, uh, Coach uh, Stoops, you yeah. know, a lot of people that we all have relationships with. But just those opportunities to Coach fulfill Phillips, those, Wade Phillips now. Exactly. To fulfill those dreams and give those players themselves an opportunity. So um, I'm always giving people their flowers on this show. Mm-hmm. But no bullshit, no sugarcoating. I thank you personally because mm-hmm. I got tired of my son texting me, Dad, what am I going to do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, thank you, man, for just for everybody and inspiring the notion that there is an opportunity yeah. outside of NFL, but even to get back to that if it does happen. So. Oh, thank you for those words, man. I received them. Thank you so much for saying that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. You know, this is one of those, and, and Chan and I were laughing about it. Uh, when we saw Kev, he was with Don Cheadle. And we've been doing this, what, like a year and a half now. And we've just been excited. And so when you say, like, you're going to sit down, with, it's far, it starts off as The Rock, then it's Dwayne Johnson. And then after we talk about it for like a month, it's DJ. Right, and you then you get real excited. Well, he gonna let us call him DJ, you know. Uh, but to but to to get to a point to to sit across from you or sit with you, and you will allow the world to see the man. You know, I always think those are the important moments that we share, that we bleed, we we cry, mm-hmm. um, we have to deal with adversity, and we have to try to learn to love people the best we can. So thank you so much for that. We always ask about what's the biggest pivot. Mm. And a lot of times the biggest pivot in people's lives helps so many other people outside of themselves once they are able to tell that story. So for you, and this is how we're in the show, Mm. what has been your biggest pivot in life? Just that moment that you will always point to, whether at the time it was difficult to deal with or if it was one of those positive moments that the reason Dwayne Johnson can sit here today as who he is because of that time. Mm. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, 
thank you guys very much for having me on this show. I'm very happy for you guys. I'm proud of you. I love how to see the show grow and grow and grow. And I'd love seeing all the guests. And again, you all, you, immediately you just make everybody comfortable because it's just, you guys, we're all just shooting the shit here. <laughs> but you guys have been through it though. Mm-hmm. That's a thing too, right? So you automatically put the athlete in a comfortable position, a comfortable place or whoever you have on. Um, so thank you for those words. And thank you boys for having me. I appreciate you. Um, biggest pivot in life for me well there's two. First would be when i got out of wrestling i transitioned into hollywood and i wanted to have a career that was hopefully had some longevity to it and i wanted to be good um and i didn't want to be boxing into just action genre i want to do everything i was told at that time all right in order for this to happen here's the biggest stars in the world will smith uh george clooney johnny depp you look nothing like them. <laughs> uh, you got to stop talking about wrestling. Stop calling yourself The Rock. You're too big. Go on a diet. Get out of the gym. I mean, all this shit that at that time, if you don't know any better and you're, and you're trying to stay focused on the North Star, you buy into it because you're trusting the people who are around you. And, and it's not an indictment on them. They were just giving me advice of what they thought the best thing to do is if you want to be a leading man. You can't look like this. You can't talk. You're not the rock. It's just not wrestling. You bought into it a little bit. I bought into it a little bit for a few years until finally I said, I can't do this anymore. I got to be me. <laughs> I, I love wrestling. It's my life. It saved wrestling was my family's savior. I want to talk about it. And if I want to go back, I'm going to go back. I'm going to call myself the rock. I'm going to call myself the motherfucking rock. <laughs> you know, um, and I love the gym. I love training. It's my anchor. I love challenging myself. So I got to be me. Fired everybody. <laughs> I hired a brand new team. Said, here's what I believe is the North Star. And here's how I believe it's going to get there. Um, and if I, at least if I fail, then I fail being myself. And so I realized throughout the years that the, really the most important thing one of the most important things we could be in our lives is ourselves. And that's a hard, it's so easy to say, just be you, man, be you. But it's fucking hard, right? Because there's perception, there's reality. You want to look a certain way. You want to, you know, show your teeth. There's a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Sony bastard. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so it was that. And the other pivot, I would say, is... I grew up an only child. I was, I always felt like I had a hunger. I was never afraid to work because my old man taught me that, right? Got to work, get your ass in the gym and work. Uh, So in my teenage years, 20s, Miami, wrestling, Rocky Maivia, Nation of Domination, The Rock, I was, I'm going to eat first. I think Kobe might have even said that. Like, I eat first. And it was, that was my mentality. I'm going to take care of my family, but I'm getting mine. And I'm going to go after mine, and I'm not worried about anybody else. Years later, through the grace of God, a little bit more success, I got out of wrestling, started, I got into Hollywood, things started to expand a little bit, and I was like, ah, you know what? The most important thing now is not, I got to eat first, I got to get mine, because I got mine. The most important thing now is just to take care of people. That's been the biggest pivot. I think that's really been the most impactful thing in my life is now XFL, take care of people, create these opportunities, Um, grow these other businesses, create these opportunities for people, take care of people. So that taking care of people uh, from this only child, you know, uh, <laughs> to this idea of taking care of people, that's been the biggest pivot. Right, that's, that, that's amazing. And speaking of that, we will be on site for the XFL Championship. We'll bring our subscribers, all the viewers, all the fans of the XFL, a show from Texas. Yeah. We'll have different people, that's whether awesome, it's coaches, man. players. Yeah. And so thank you for providing that opportunity for those young players, those young coaches. And also giving us an opportunity to sit with you, get to know you a little bit better. And we're trying to do the exact same thing. We're trying mm-hmm. to allow people the space to be themselves, 
to be accepted without critique, without judgment, yeah. and, and learn that taking care of other people, once yourself, is in the place to be able to do it. It's truly what benefits you more than the actual people you help, man. So we appreciate you. And yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, sir. Man. A lot of that fun. Was amazing. Fun. <laughs> hey, Chan. Hey, Chan. Can you see, though, he don't even thank you on his level of attraction? He does. <laughs> appreciate you. He does. Right. It was a thank day. You, man. Chan. Chan. Oh, Chan. Oh, it's not even close. Dope, hey, I'll hit you oh, yeah. on the thread. Yeah, hit me on the thread. DJ, this is what you got to do, though. So we want to do something for social media at some point. He has not worked out since he played. 13 years. Why? I just question back. So you weren't really a weight room guy to begin with, then, right? That's what. That's just, yes. Just played ball. Gotcha. Yeah, I know nutrition. Like sat, by the way. That was the same way. Just sat, same. Well, we want. Way. We just want one session. You yeah. and Chan in the weight room. Chan, you got. I just want to know how long. You got to get to it. I got it. You got it. One session. I got it. Swag gonna get you over under five minutes. He's not gonna. Chan, he's not gonna make you forty-five minutes. Three. Confidence to get you. He said three. Over and under five. He said under three. Warm ups and stuff. No, you're He's nothing. old. His elbows get tight. <laughs> <laughs> Everything hurts. So you're not trained at all. You're like I don't do nothing, man. Chan, do you want to? Do you want to be next to DJ? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, take yeah, a picture. Yeah. He's been at high. I got it. That's me. Swole. Get it? No. Are we smiling? Okay. When you guys are smiling. I'm smiling. What's good? Okay. Okay. He paid twenty thousand for these, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey. I'm gonna do what y'all want. I'm gonna fucking do anything. <laughs> All right, cool. Oh, boy, that's crazy. Dude, let's, let me move this chair along. Okay. There yeah. we go. Right, three, two, one. Yeah. Hold up. Limitless. Biggest semi cap pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. Uh, on a mission, got me up. Uh, knowing me, I got the key. Uh, only vision I can trust. Uh, trust. Uh, limitless. Biggest semi cap pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. Uh, on the mission, get me up.